This program discusses topics not suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Prepare yourself. It's time for the Shriekcast with Edgar. Good evening, my friends, and it's time for another episode of the Shriekcast. Tonight I'm changing things up. That's right. Put down your popcorn, pick up your controllers. Tonight we're discussing horror in the gaming world. Where did it start? What were the big hits and the big flops? Tonight we'll discuss just that. But before we get into that, let's talk about... Nope, not the news. The Twitter feed lately has been all abuzz regarding some of the movies released on Shudder recently. Before another word, this is not sponsored by anyone. Anyone? Please? Somebody? Okay, well that's awkward. So my reviews and opinions are completely unbiased. Recently I decided to start running down this list with The Haunt. This film was directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods. It follows a group of college friends that decide to visit an extreme haunted house on Halloween. While making their way through the house, they'd see one of their friends get kidnapped. At first, the group just assumes it's all part of the show. Quickly, they learn that this is no show, and the house is being run by a pack of murderous, deformed lunatics. The cast of relative unknowns helps add the realism, and some well-placed jump scares make this one a solid horror. My only real complaint is the predictability. Um, You know, you pretty much can see what's coming before uh, it actually happens. But, all the same, it's a good one. Uh, If you liked movies like The Fun House, then I think you'd probably like this one too. It's a solid flick and I think worth a watch. Now then, back to the topic at hand. The one thing that I've been doing longer than loving horror movies? Playing video games. I cut my teeth on the wood-grained, blocky graphics of the 70s era Atari 2600. Yes, before I started watching horror films. I played games like Yars Revenge, Combat, and Space Invaders over and over until the games burned into our old wood-grained TV. Even back then, unbeknownst to me, horror was creeping its way into the gaming world. 1983 saw Wizard Video's horror film-based games, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Halloween put the player in the role of Laurie Strode, trying to protect children from Michael Myers in an endless house. This game seems to be famous or infamous for a few things. One is it the Atariized Halloween theme playing on an endless loop from the second you booted up the Atari until you tore the cartridge and chucked it out the window. The other, when you were caught or ran in out of boredom into Myers, Lori is beheaded and red pixelated blood spurts out of her neck in what is, as far as I can recall, the first uh, graphic violence in video games. Uh, Meanwhile, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre flipped the script and uh, cast you as Leatherface to chase victims down in a field while avoiding obstacles like cow skulls and wheelchairs, at least until your chainsaw runs out of fuel. At which time, a comedic ending sequence begins, showing one of your potential victims who escaped sneaking up behind you and kicking you in the butt. Though, you know, it 
It has nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. It's still a funny ending, and, you know, for the Atari, they're not bad. Sadly, I was too young to know about these movies and their game counterparts, and wouldn't play them until I was an adult. Some years later, I would beg my folks and finally receive an NES. Ah, the promised land. The movie-to-game conversion machine would not stop at the Atari, with companies like LJN cranking out abysmal movie-based games of all genre, one of which I did actually get to try as a kid. Friday the 13th, coincidentally, also the first horror movie I ever saw, until my mom busted me, but anyway. uh, After playing a few minutes of the game, I remember thinking, oh, this is kind of cool. It's a little, like, Goonies, you know? You, 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 you know, hop over obstacles and you search, you know, these rooms. And, okay, well, this isn't bad. <sighs> Shortly after that, I learned just how wrong I was. You control, if you haven't played it before, you control one of the hopelessly underpowered uh, camp counselors who search around the camp, uh, you know, Camp Crystal Lake, of course, until... Uh, you basically find clues and uh, throwing rocks at zombies along the way because I, I must have missed that part in the movie. But okay, zombies, sure, why not? Uh, until finally Jason appears and engages you in a uh, punch-out style fight. The next game I want to talk about, full disclosure, I have not played this one yet, is Sweet Home. Sweet Home is a horror turn-based RPG based on the Japanese horror film of the same title. The game tells the story of a group of filmmakers exploring a creepy house full of ghosts and paranormal activity. Sadly, for those in the U.S., we never saw a release of Sweet Home, mostly due to what was considered graphic imagery at the time. I'm not telling you to do so. However, Sweet Home finally did get an English release thanks to some dedicated fans. It was translated and uploaded to the web in 2000 as a ROM image. So, Ed, you say, since you haven't played it, why bring it up, you ask? Well, comrade questions, here's why. This game is also notable as serving as the big inspiration for the original Resident Evil. In fact, Resident Evil was originally intended to be a straight remake of this classic game. However, Capcom no longer owned the rights and was forced to craft an all-new story, which we all know and love. LJN, on the other hand, uh, would release another game based on one of, at the time, my favorite horror films, Nightmare on Elm Street. This one was not terrible. You took control of one of the Elm Street teens to search the houses of Elm Street to find Freddy's bones. That is, until you fall asleep. That's when things really get weird. Uh, The environment and the enemies change uh, for a more challenging experience. Um, which the, all the sleep phases eventually culminate in a, uh, a fight between you and Freddy and some crazy incarnation. Uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, it could have been better, but it wasn't terrible. It was compared to Friday the 13th. It was, you know, leaps and bounds. Thankfully, though, in the midst of all of this mediocrity was the classic and beloved Castlevania, which is not based on a horror movie in particular, but based on horror movie tropes. Uh, the series had you take on one, the role of uh, some member of the Belmont family, who are all vampire hunters if you've lived under a rock, or a friend to lay siege to Dracula's castle and stop his evil deeds. Uh, this game was a combination of action and platform with a few puzzle elements thrown in. The action was fast-paced. Pattern memorization was a key to make it through some areas of the castle. You could collect hearts that didn't act 
truly heal you for some crazy reason, uh, but behaved more like mana, which allowed you to perform secondary attacks in addition to the power-ups you could collect for your primary weapon. These games are without doubt a jewel in the NES crown, and the franchise lives on even today. In fact, on a personal note, three of my top ten favorite games are in the Castlevania franchise. Castlevania Akumanjo Dracula XG no Rondo. Rondo of Blood, I hope I got that right. Bloodlines on the Genesis of all places, and Symphony of the Night on the PlayStation. After the NES days, I wouldn't see another horror-themed game until I found myself in possession of the, in my humble opinion, highly underrated TurboGrafx-16. Thankfully to me, I also received Splatterhouse, because for some reason I completely missed this one in the arcade. Uh, I play it now on my home arcade machine all the time, but back then I, I missed it, but too bad. Maybe not, actually. Maybe if I had played it in the arcade, maybe the the TG-16 would have not, you know, shined as much as it did to me. But anywho, I'm not going to get in the weeds with that. Splatterhouse takes you through a haunted house as the muscle-bound masked hero Rick an attempt to save his girlfriend, Jennifer. I can still, now some 30 years later, pick up a controller and remember the pattern to beat the room with the haunted knives and picture frame. I know this because I just did it today, actually. Um, and the uh, the helpless cry of Jennifer when she begins to uh, to transform into a monster that you must destroy is, is still ooh, in the feels. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a good one. Then PC and console CD-ROM became the craze, and we got a slew of new horror games like 13th Guest, D, and Phantasmagoria that are just the top ones that are floating around in my head. In particular, I did like D and, and Mansion of Hidden Souls. Uh, those were two. Two of, not not my only, but uh, two of my favorites. D was an interactive movie guiding heroine Laura through an abandoned hospital and castle, searching for clues a la Resident Evil, etc. Uh, the game ends with Laura finding her father and learning the horrible truth about her family's history. Mansion of Hidden Souls starts with siblings Samantha and Jonathan chasing a beautiful butterfly through a field. And I, Bear with me here, because I know this doesn't sound much like a horror, but the butterfly lures Samantha into an old mansion that Jonathan must search through and rescue Samantha, or she'll become a permanent resident. Both of these games have similar mechanics of searching for clues, solving puzzles, um, and full motion video cutscenes while uh, the player moves from room to room. One more game I have to mention from this time frame, uh, and even though it, it's you know it's it's a lot of people don't like it, and I've heard it be uh, bagged on pretty pretty harshly, but I I like it uh, is uh, Night Trap, which is a full motion video game. Uh, this one was actually banned shortly after I picked it up. I think I picked it up in '92 maybe, and it was banned a year later uh, due to some violent and uh, racy content. Um, and there was a, a scene where you, you see a woman, you know, taking a shower. I mean, you can't actually see the woman, but it's, you know... The woman in the shower was, was I guess, too much for, for the 90s. So anyway, um, you, uh, you're you basically uh, part of this sort of elite SWAT-like team um, who's uh, investigating this family called uh, the Martins who are suspected of, of murder. And, and uh, oh, by the way, it also... Uh, one of the agents... Uh, that is your teammate is the the late uh, Dana Plato, 
who plays Kelly. So uh, anyway, you're put in charge of the camera and trap system in this house that's normally used by the Martins to trap victims and feed to the augers, which are vampire-like creatures. Um, it would seem pretty easy, uh, you know, just hearing this, but the problem is that there's a, a control color for the uh, the system, which will change throughout the game, uh, which means basically, essentially, if you're looking in the wrong room uh, and and the you know the wrong time when the the dialogue comes up that you know tells you basically what color that is going to be next, then you're pretty much done. You're locked out of the system. Um, so basically, the only way you can lose this game and it's to either allow one of the girls to be taken by an auger, or let too many of them uh, get in and out of the house. And if you do, the plug gets pulled. Your boss basically yells at you, says you're not a part of the team, and leaves you stranded. Anyway, it's a fun one. I like it. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you have, please be sure to rate and share wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd love to hear from you, so please connect with the show on Twitter at the Shriekcast. Uh, and uh, this is your friend Edgar wishing you all a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, until next time, uh, remember, lock your doors, clean the dirt out of your cartridges, and have a good evening.